Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, this is John Katsimatidis with the number one show at 5 o'clock. And uh, we have one common sense pe- common sense people in the studio and, and common sense people coming on. And we hope that we do end up with common sense. I mean, we have <laughs> Judge, Judge Richard Weinberg, Governor David Patterson, uh, Deputy Mayor uh, uh, Rudy Washington. Rumor has it that he might be related to George but uh, yeah, when are we going to do this big show, you know, with the DNA? We're huh? going to do the DNA. <laughs> you can't keep saying that without proving We'll do a special. A special when, we, when we, we have the DNA company and come and read it out. Ancestry.com. By the way, I think if you put common sense in, you get common sense out, John. That's my motto, all right? <laughs> and Rita Cosby. Rita? You know good what? To, good to have you here. I, thank you. And it's great to have you here. You have been like all over the news, John Katsimatidis. I was watching you with Stuart Varney, my friend there on Fox Business, and you truly have common sense and talked about how oil is the basis for everything. Explain it again. It is. It's not the crap that some of the economists are saying about uh, uh, the fact, oh, we're spending too much money. It has nothing to do with it. It all has to do with oil. And when two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the oil was down to $65 because Senator Sullivan was at the White House and they're going to open up 250,000 barrels in uh, Alaska. Uh, Alaska. Right. The threat of that, we had it down to $65. And I said to everybody that if we stay, if we stay at $65, then the inflation goes away because the food prices are going to go down. Well... There's a world war going on. The world war is an economic war between North America that's getting poorer every week, every month, and Saudi Arabia, Russia, and China that want $85 oil. So Saudi, Saudi could cut the production by 1.6 million barrels. Wow. And guess what? Oil is back up to over $80 a barrel. And you know about the food prices going down? How did I say it on Fox? Forget about it. Yeah, you were great on Forget that. Forget about it. What what CEO of what food manufacturing company will reduce the prices when oil is going up again? So the bottom line is open the spigots. That's, That's what it. Biden needs That's to do. It, it would solve and he's everything. he's refusing to do it. Which is Mr. Crazy. President, open up the spigots in North America and have our inflation go away. And let's not bankrupt the whole country okay. with rising interest rates. Okay, people don't realize... Everything moves by trucks. I mean, even the chairs you're sitting on right now. Everything moves food. by truck, and, and, and fertilizer is made from oil. Diesel fuel is running the factories. Diesel fuel is running the trucks to get to the product. And, to and the, the trains. Don't leave the trains out. And okay. the trains. And how about plastics? Yeah, everything. You know, I Listen, don't understand. Why are Americans not out there, John, picketing they, they, and they, saying this is crazy? This Washington is fooling everybody. They're trying. You know, let's talk to... I, I, I just see you on the, we got Ambassador John Bolton on. We do. Just bring him on. All right. for me. We need some more let's common get somebody sense. somebody smarter than me. Well, I don't know. You're pretty smart, John, but let's yeah. bring in Ambassador John Bolton. How are you, Ambassador? 
I'm fine. Glad to be with you. Hello to everybody. You know, what John, about... always good to hear from you. I, I'm going to start with where we just ended off here, with John. Why are there not more people picketing and saying, opening the spigots? Think about how different everything would be, especially even Russia, Ukraine. Russia would have no leverage if and we they, were producing. They would have no money to pay uh, the, the, the troops. The war machine. Oh, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. The administration is just determined to fuel the entire economy on algae and uh, solar and wind. And, you know, people, I think uh, average citizens fully understand that the, the growth of the economy, the strength of the economy is directly correlated to energy. And there's just not enough energy out there if you don't use oil and gas. It's really very simple. It is very simple. Go ahead, Rudy Washington. Ambassador, this is Rudy Washington. Could you uh, give us an idea What's going on with these countries coalescing against us? Uh, Saudi Arabia, Iran, uh, North Korea, well, uh, it's Russia. the evil empire all over again. The yeah, ones you used to see in the James Bond movies. And China at the helm. And China at yeah, the helm. It's, it's, like, it's like the Cold War, except this time China's the senior partner. I think that was the significance of Xi Jinping's recent visit to Moscow. Uh, and, and really, China's been supporting Russia in the war in Ukraine from the beginning. They'll expect the same from Russia if they go after Taiwan. They've got rogue states uh, like Iran and North Korea that support terrorists and are seeking nuclear weapons. I mean, this this is a real danger. And, and I just think uh, uh, people in the country are not yet fully aware of how serious a threat this is. We, we need we need to have a discussion about it because it's everywhere you look from TikTok to nuclear weapons. What do we do with China? Because of the big developments today and everybody we're talking to, of course, former National Security Advisor John Bolton, um, is China is now having ships uh, encircling Taiwan as we speak. They also said they're going to inspect any ships that come into the Taiwan Strait. Uh, they are furious that Kevin McCarthy and others are meeting with the Taiwanese president in America and also Mike McCall and a whole bunch of others have a bipartisan delegation. They're in Taiwan. Where do you see this going? Well, I think this is bluffed by China uh, in, in the current circumstances, but the real threat is there. No, nobody should be under any uh, illusions about that. Let me just say on behalf of Kevin McCarthy, he, he didn't do anything that any reasonable person in the world could complain about. He's, he's, he holds an office mentioned in the Constitution, only one of three, president and vice president being the other two. Uh, he's entitled to meet with whomever he wants to on American soil. No foreign power has the right to tell us, particularly the Speaker of the House, who to meet with. He met with Tsai Ing-wen, the president of Taiwan, with a bipartisan group of members of the House of Representatives. Uh, so I, I just think it's outrageous that uh, Beijing is complaining. And as for Mike McCall, the chairman of the House Foreign uh, Affairs Committee, he is there with a bipartisan delegation of House members. Uh, and I think it's their perfect right to go there. This is, you know, the Chinese are trying to bully us. They're trying to intimidate us. They're trying to deter us. They're trying to create a pretext for a crisis in the hopes we won't stand by Taiwan and, and its vital importance to uh, to us as a trading partner and in particular as a manufacturer of critical chips for computer and information technology. So I think the Chinese are pushing in the wrong direction. They ought to get their balloons out of our airspace. Uh, and I, I think I think we're playing this right at the moment. Uh, Governor Patterson, you got a question for the ambassador, Ambassador John Bolton. Ambassador Bolton, I wanted to ask you, uh, being that it was a bipartisan group. Wouldn't it be a little more foresighted if the Democrats on in the group also talked about it so that we're united as a country? 
Well, I, you know, I, I, I can't say what the positions of each of the members who were there with Kevin McCarthy is exactly, but I do think uh, in an era where bipartisanship is pretty rare, I mean, you're raising an important point here. At a period like this, I think on the question of China and how the United States responds to it, there's more bipartisanship in the House and the Senate on this issue than on almost anything else. And that's that's something that, you know, the Chinese see us divided. They'll take advantage of it. It's uh, it's very straightforward. But I think on this, we're, we're really moving in the right direction. Maybe not I agree with you, especially, especially I'd say in the last 12 to 18 months that everyone's waking up to the crisis with China. I, I think that's right. I mean, we, we we still don't fully appreciate the total dimensions of it, as I say. Who would think of TikTok as a problem, but it's it's able to scoop up every keystroke your kids put into it? Remember the Pied Piper of Hamlin in Germany who seduced the kids and let them out of town? That's what that's what this uh, that's what this app is doing. And I think the only answer really is to ban it entirely from the United States. There's not a free speech issue here. It's an arm of the Chinese state and the Chinese state doesn't have a right to to steal data from the American population under the First Amendment. Although uh, President Biden even put a video on TikTok recently, which was amazing as they're saying, oh, it's a security threat. Um, let's go to Judge Richard Weinberg. Ambassador, good to talk to you again. I want to ask you about this White House report that came out blaming the Trump administration for the, the Biden administration disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. What do you say about and, that? And blame the Afghanis. Everybody but Everybody, everybody but, but the Biden administration. Right. Yeah. Well, I've I've read it only very quickly, but but in my in my quick read of it, uh, uh, they do blame the Trump administration. And I would say this: what they say is they came in on January the twentieth, and there were no plans uh, really for the evacuation that would come if and when the Taliban met the preconditions. Uh, and they said they were stuck with that. Well, the answer to that's no. I, I don't know what level planning the Trump administration had done by then. I wasn't there anymore. But if President Biden and his advisors didn't think they were ready to carry out the withdrawal, what, what they very easily could have done was say to the Taliban, we're not ready. We're going to postpone this for six months. And if the Taliban didn't like it, that's their problem, not our problem. And how many times has the Biden administration walked away from a Trump policy because they said they were under no obligation to go forward with it? For example, the no, Remain in Mexico policy. Line. Yeah, there, there are a whole bunch of them, and, and particularly in foreign policy, there's, there's no doubt. Uh, a president can't bind a future president if American national security is at stake, if the lives of American citizens and our allies. And if if they came in and their honest evaluation was that the plans were not adequate or no plans at all, then, we, then postpone implementation of the agreement. Well, yeah, you know, the other thing, too, uh, I couldn't believe this. John Kirby, of course, uh, the National Security Council spokesperson, he's at the White House, Ambassador Bolton, and he said, we're very proud of the way we withdrew from Afghanistan. And almost every reporter was like, I'm talking NBC, all the different networks were like, wait, 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 did we just hear you correctly that you're proud? Uh, like, in other words, you know, blamed everybody else, and we did the best we could, and think about all the things we did. It was almost like they, alternate they, universe. They do not pay Kirby nearly enough. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> By the way, Governor Patterson's laughing. Go ahead, Gov. No, I was just thinking that uh, perhaps General Custer, after Little Bighorn, said, we did the best we could, and we're proud of the results. <laughs> <laughs>
But in That's fact, a good one. We're waiting for him to blame the Hindenburg on Trump. <laughs> World War II, Vietnam. What else, Rudy Washington? The well, Titanic. Well, well, listen, somebody just texted me that I should ask you a question, but I'm not going to ask you this question. He texted me, ask if he thinks China is blackmailing Biden over uh, what they have on Hunter. So if you're not going to ask, ask the question. All right. No, 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 I'm not gonna all right. Ask. You're not going to ask it. So I'll ask the question. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> well, look, there, there are investigations going on in uh, the House of Representatives. That U.S. attorney up in Delaware still has the Hunter Biden investigation in process. I don't know what's taking so long. Uh, I think people will get to the bottom of it. I mean, it's uh, if if foreign governments in particular use the families of presidents to to try and compromise them or to get access to them or, or, or whatever it may be, it's a serious problem for the United States. It shouldn't shouldn't be done on a it shouldn't be understood as a partisan effort here. Uh, and, and I hope we can treat it seriously because. Uh, yeah. Because I think we're entitled to know if there really is a risk here. Nobody is saying it, but I would say a lot of people are thinking it. But you know what would be worse, John? What? If it's not the case. And that's what I think. That it's If you've heard Biden, even in the debates before he won, he was never really that hard on China and has never changed. Yeah, well, guess what? During the debates, Hunter had already done business with China. I'm just throwing it out there. And the Ukraine and Moscow. Right. Yeah, aren't they wonderful countries to and us right now? The government getting nervous. Wait a second, wait a second. And let's not forget. He's his heads. Let's, let's no, not forget what a wonderful artist Hunter Biden is. Yes, worth $500,000 for a painting you could do better, Judge. I have faith Listen, in your artistry. I'll settle for two fifty for one of my paintings. I'll be, I'll be your agent. <laughs> but seriously, I, I really think that this is how he thinks. I hope, it's, Governor, I'm going to tell you something. I pray it's not true. Yeah, we all do for I do America. Not, look, I do not wish bad things for the President of the United States. But if we didn't at least think about it, we would be utter fools. No, I'm not blaming anyone for thinking about it. I'm just saying... In a way, that would be a, an explanation of why this yeah. is happening. I don't think there is one. I think that they are – the foreign policy has obfuscated this administration. In this administration. The worst it's ever been, and it's hurting our country. Yeah. yeah either way, it's a mess. Bolton, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for standing up for our country, and thank you for telling the truth, and God bless you. And have a great weekend. Have a good, great Easter weekend. Well, happy Easter and happy Passover to everybody. I'll see you again soon. Thank, Thank you, you, Ambassador. Thank you. And by the way, John, did you see this big headline? Ford is going to drop AM radios from most of their new vehicles in 2024. All AM radios, and they're even threatening to drop FM radios. And let me tell you something. I just, I'm just i going to write a company memo to all my companies and all my divisions. And guess what? We're never going to buy another Ford car again. Yeah, it's outrageous. This is, again, all vehicles. Well, joining us now here on Cats and Cosby to talk about it is Fred Jacobs. He is the founder and president of Jacobs Media, which does consulting to commercial public and also Christian radio stations. Fred, we are thrilled to have you here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, What is going on? This is unbelievable that Ford would do this. Well, I wish we had a happier topic to talk about this afternoon, but yeah, there's been a lot of rumors. Well, we we just talked years. about we just talked about it was Trump's fault that uh, we, we got slaughtered in Afghanistan. Look, I just like the idea that John Bolton is my opening act. Okay, 
this, this, stuff, it just flatters me in ways you can't possibly imagine. Well, no, well, well can you know, flatter AM radio too? Because we need to keep uh, it. I wish I could. I, it, it really is a tough moment in time. There's been a lot of noise over the years about this, but it actually is happening now. And it's a shame because AM radio is still vital in many markets like yours. I'm from Detroit, so, uh, you know, that's kind of part of my connection to uh, the auto companies in addition to my radio background. But Detroit is another market with great AM radio stations that still get ratings and are still very connected to the community. And so it's a very short-sighted decision by Ford. And one of the concerns that I have is that it begins to give permission to the other automakers to go, you know, maybe we don't have to do this after all, because it costs them. I mean, there is a per vehicle cost for putting AM or FM radio in vehicles. And look, let's face it, guys. I mean, the auto companies has have graciously installed AM, FM radios into vehicles for 100 years. Uh, the radio industry does not pay them for that privilege. They make no money on these radios by the way we do. So I, I think what you're looking at is a business decision where they're thinking, you know what? We've got to start monetizing the dashboard. But wait, wait, wait. I, Fred, what about also the, the whole electric vehicle issue, which is where it really sort of started perking up? And also, there is a responsibility, even folks of FEMA, seven former FEMA administrators, including an Obama one, came out and said, this is a public service uh, because AM radio is where they actually go when they do federal announcements, emergency announcements. It's not a public service. It's a matter of national security and public safety. So let's talk about the EV thing first, because that is a... Uh, misnomer, if you will. A, a lot of people have said that AM radio can't exist in EVs because of the interference problem, but that's not true. There are workarounds where you can insulate it, and in fact, there have been many electric vehicles that have AM radio. So again, it's a matter of whether the car manufacturers want to pay for it. Great example is the Ford F-150 Lightning truck, Last year was its debut year. It had AM radio with a whip antenna, you know, one of those antennas that's up on the fender, not embedded in the windshield. And then Ford decides on the 2024, you know what, we're not going to have AM radio after all. We'll get rid of the whip antenna and we'll save maybe a couple of bucks per vehicle. It adds up, but right, it speaks to the public service aspect of this, public safety all of those kinds of things. And, you know, Senator Markey uh, has been extremely aggressive uh, in this area to try and get the auto companies to play ball. But at, at this point, they're kind of going their own way here. Well, there's going to be an attack, and uh, we're going to fight back, and the American people are going to fight back. I think there is going to be a, a good amount of resistance. I heard you as you were wrapping up the Bolton segment. Uh, I mean, hey, look, uh, people have a lot of power. They don't have to buy Ford vehicles. There are many other vehicles out there that offer AM radio as standard equipment. But these are the times in which we live, you know, and, and auto companies in particular are really kind of mapping out their own unique strategies. You know, one of the questions that, that I keep asking is, 
how much of this is actually being researched and how much of this is somebody sitting in Dearborn, Michigan, saying, you know what, I don't know anybody who listens to AM radio. Let's get rid of it. And, and also, Fred, how much of it is that a lot of AM radio is conservative talk, too? So there's there's a lot of questions here. Um, Fred- Look, I, I, I know that's a theory, but, you know, I come back to Senator Markey, you know, who is clearly not a righty. Right. <laughs> and, and, and he is fighting for AM radio like there's no tomorrow. By the way, so. he is. He's a big First Amendment guy, which we, which we appreciate big, big well, time. He is. And I, I, if it were as simple as that, uh, that would be one thing. But I, I think it, it, it's back to the Rupert Murdoch thing. It's not red. It's not blue. It's green. Yep. And this is clearly a financial uh, move on the part of Ford. And the big concern is whether other OEMs, other auto manufacturers decide to do the same thing. That's my concern is that this thing actually catches on. Well, and Ford is a, a major producer, too. So you're right. Uh, we got to absolutely keep an eye on this. Uh, Fred Jacobs, thank you so much for being with us. Really important. Uh, head of uh, Jacobs Media Strategies. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you so much. It. Let's take a break, and when we come back... We got Joe Tacopina, Trump's attorney. Oh, let's find out what the heck is going on. Lots of big stuff. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Katz and Cosby. Boy, what a week it's been with President Trump. And joining us now is his attorney, Joe Tacopino, who was there in the courtroom during the arraignment. Uh, Joe, welcome back to Katz and Cosby. Give us the very latest on maybe some of the motions and actions that are taking place. Oh, no motions yet. I mean, we're still in the process of working out a protective order um, with the district attorney's office that allows us to get all the evidence and discovery and, and everything else that we need in order to understand a very boilerplate indictment, Rita, and then we'll, uh, you know, then we'll begin. We have four months to file motions, but we are looking at a host of motions in this case, from motions to dismiss to potential accusal motions, potential venue motions, and everything else. You know, um, it, you mentioned the timetable, the four months. As people are digesting it, it's like it's four months. We're talking December, at least, is sort of the the date set now. Then, of course, they're talking about maybe things proceeding in January. We're talking that's the beginning of the primary season. I mean, is there any coincidence to you? Look at the timing of all this. I'm sure it's just a coincidence, Rita. I'm absolutely sure. Yeah. They would would never do anything political like that, I'm sure. You know, as as you're digesting the indictment, Joe Tacopina, um, what are you seeing it? Because we've even heard this was an amazing headline today from the New York Times basically saying that this indictment is thin, that it is uh, an embarrassment basically to the judicial system. And this is from the New York Times, Joe Tacopina. Uh, what are you guys hearing and what what are you seeing now that you've had a chance to go through the indictment and look at everything? Look, it, the New York Times, obviously, for them to take that position shows you just how light and weak this must be. Right. Because obviously they're they're very, you know, anti Donald Trump in general. And, and for them to take that position, I think, speaks volumes. But, you know, regardless of whether they do or, or don't take that position, it's a, look, I've been saying to you guys, Rita, for, for the longest time, it is a case that really has no legal merit. Um, it's not going to stand. It can't stand factually or legally. And it's just something that I'm you know, just shocked that they actually went this far. It's almost like they just thought the indictment would be what they needed to, to do to achieve their goal. Um, hey, hey, Joe, 
Uh, this is Rudy Washington. Uh, one of the things that mm. reading material and everything else, uh, I called it a soft coup attempt on what they did to the president during the Mueller investigation, during all the impeachments. Uh, we now know that a million dollars was paid out of campaign funds to create the Russia document. And it was used to be, uh, with foreign agents, uh, one from England and those he talked to in Russia. Uh, having paid a million dollars for this, uh, I think that's far worse than the acquisition of hush money, a hundred thousand. I mean, Rudy, who, did, who did that, by the way, Rudy, for the record? Hillary oh, Clinton. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's be clear. Go yeah, ahead. exactly. Yeah. I, that, you know, that, that was, I mean, seriously, think, if you want to hear how hypocritical this all is, that they charged Donald Trump in this case, in that case, okay, you have a situation where, you know, that was a payment for dirt, for that steel dossier. That was a, all fabricated allegations against Donald Trump regarding Russia. Okay, then the campaign, Clinton campaign, paid for that. Pay for it, right? Okay, with campaign money. Did they mislabel it? Sherry, what do you think they called it? Legal fees? Is that unbelievable? Right. Trump's actually charged with something legal fees that it came to a lawyer. Clinton's campaign named something legal fees that was for dirt. Like, that no lawyer involved at all. It was just for dirt, right? And the result of that was not a criminal indictment. Right. It was, a, there, there was nothing. Okay. Exactly. Um, Absolutely. Joe, Joe, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Uh, you know, yeah, you're, you're familiar with the term selective prosecution? Yeah, let, okay. let me throw another one at you. Selective non-prosecution. Yeah. No, it's just when you can juxtapose those two instances together, one is a true straight out misleading of a, of a situation paid with by campaign funds. Right. The other one was paid with personal funds for a resolution of a civil uh, claim and a confidentiality agreement. And, and, and that happens all the time and was not primarily for the campaign. So it was paid properly with personal funds. No tax deduction taken, nothing. And boom, he's under indictment. Unbelievable. Well, Joe, you are a fighter. He is lucky to have you. We love you, Joe Tacopina. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Joe Ta- Tacopina. And right now we're going to be taking a break. And let's go to Lou Dobbs to find out how the financial markets did. Sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. You know, um, I just saw this headline, John. This is amazing. IRS to spend $80 billion to hire 30,000 new employees. 30,000 new employees for the IRS. But only 300 border guards. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I, should we laugh or cry, guys? Okay. Well, We're going to ball. We're, I mean, this is amazing. <laughs> well, Rita, I, I can tell you now, um, this is going to, they're not going after, you know, rich people. They're not going after uh, Bezos. I mean, could you imagine community college auditors going up against Yale, Harvard tax attorneys? They're not going to waste that kind of manpower. This is about shaking down Americans, everyday working man. Every waiter, 
Every exactly. taxi cab driver, every it's, Uber driver that gets tips, cash yeah, everyone. tips. Everyone. Everyone. Every middle class they're person. After, they're after the middle class people that the the hard the people that are working eighty hours a week, wait being waiters or busboys, and that's who they're after. Right. I'm, I'm still wondering what was their explanation about why they're doing this. Well, they think they that there's money to claim. And, and the, the irony of it all, Gov? There is um, money to claim because they shake people down. Of course there's money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's money. Yeah. The, the line they used, claim, Governor, shake was, down. Many to shake down and said. The, the line they used, Governor, was they're going to audit rich people. That's where they go. And that's a joke. I mean, do you, can you, you imagine? Need, you need 80,000? Yeah, just to do Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> the irony of it all, guys, and I, we were trying to say, okay, is this new money or where is this coming from? Because uh, John, uh, John astutely asked. It's coming from, get this, the Climate-Focused Inflation Reduction Act, which is, remember, I laugh whenever I hear Inflation Reduction Act. John, is there anything in this bill that passed, uh, courtesy of Mitch McConnell and others, uh, that's an inflation reducer, John? If the American people don't wake up, and feel that they're getting conned. How do you spell con? Conned by Washington? Then, then I apologize. You don't deserve to, to be middle class. Wow. What this is just, I'm telling you, John, this is so crazy. Well, speaking of sort of these environmentally over the top issues, we have now the Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, uh, we're talking about just this. I, I'm sure you may have heard. I, I guess so. I want to get your reaction to this. IRS spending $80 billion to hire 30,000 new employees. And as John Apley pointed out, in this new inflation reduction, they're giving just a few hundred new border agents. Right. The, the world is upside down, ladies and gentlemen. We, we have an absolute invasion going on at the southern border with billions. And I say not exaggerating, billions of lethal doses of fentanyl and carfentanil coming up and hundreds of millions of dollars of human trafficking and and also organized retail crime and theft that's hitting you there and hitting us in our uh, communities. And, yeah, we, we cut budget for Border Patrol and customs uh, agents and, and the hardworking folks down there. Uh, and thank goodness we have states and leaders down there in Texas and, and Arizona who are trying to fill in the breach. And instead, what are we doing? We're terrorizing businesses and conservative NGOs and average citizens with um, how many more thousands? I, I, I did get the exact number. 80,000, Mr. Attorney General. I mean, you, I'm sorry, forgive me, 30,000, $80 billion is what the price yeah. tag, 30,000 agents. But, but FC, this is all part of this larger ESG movement. It's part of all a concerted effort. Um, and, and those things in, in a depressed economy, when so many people are already suffering, um, and you have decisions like that or the, the Biden decision um, to weaponize uh, asset managers, right? Katz and I have talked about this before. They're, they're managing $12 trillion worth of 401k assets. For 150 million working Americans, I think there are only like 170 million, uh, you know, uh, working Americans out there. And, and so this is 90 percent of every average American is having their 401k hijacked. Yep, and, 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 and Judge Weinberg's got a question for you. 
Mr. Turner Jones, Judge Weinberg, good to talk to you again. We've talked about this issue before, and you're leading the charge on a lawsuit led by 20 other <laughs> state AGs. The f- fact of the matter is there's a fiduciary duty of the people who manage these pension funds and these investment mutual funds to get the best possible return with the least risk. How do they invest in speculative, Green Deal deal, ideologically driven companies that fall on their face? Where's the money going to come when they lose the money and they don't have money to sustain themselves in the later years? Are you talking about Solyndra? Oh, yeah. Uh, Solyndra, I I haven't heard that one in a while. Straight out of the pockets. Uh, of, of our pensions, of average everywhere. I couldn't have said a better judge. In fact, I should probably stop. I learned early on in my career, when a judge is talking, let them talk. And uh, <laughs> do not snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. You said it so well, um, Judge. It really is a, a travesty. And we are, by the way, there are 25 states total. We filed in Texas. And I don't know if you remember the last time we filed against the Department of Labor, because this is an OSHA standard. They're major questions, doctrines. This is This is unconstitutional on its face. It violates ERISA. But remember the last time we went and we filed against them, it was for vaccine mandates. And we sued them when we took them all the way to the Supreme Court and we beat them in the Supreme Court. And we're going to beat the Biden administration again on this ESG overreach because it is frankly un-American. And you said it better than I could. They're, they're putting at risk our money. Look, if you want to invest your money in an ideological way, knock yourself out. Go for it. But when you have a fiduciary duty, what's the definition, Judge? We learned that first year of law school, right? You have an obligation to manage on behalf of someone else. Then your duty is to them and it's to maximize return. It's to maximize value to the shareholders um, or the, the beneficiaries. And that's what's wrong with this administration. They don't well, care about the that, average. That, you're absolutely right. And I wish every success in this lawsuit because every hardworking American who saved and invested to try and take care of their future and not become a victim to an ideology and become a, a participant in the, in the public dole. Because somebody's going to have to bail. When these pension That's funds right. go under, somebody's going to have to bail them out. And who is that going to be, Mr. Attorney General? It's going to be not a taxpaying public. <laughs> well, <laughs> Mr. A.J., John Katzmatidis, one last thing. I don't know if you heard it in our previous uh, interview Ford in 2024 is getting rid of all AM radios. Part that's part of the FEMA. That's part of the National Defense. I mean, these people are are starting to what? go. That's yes. your next, Mr. Turner. That's your next lawsuit. Yeah. That's, there we go. Let me look at that, cats. Thank you very much. Stuff, you know really. about it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's outrageous because obviously it's a public service. I'm not buying any more Ford cars. Zero Ford yeah, cars. No, no, none of that. That sounds about as bad as t- t- twisting a misdemeanor into a felony. <laughs> you imagine uh, that. Where would you ever hear of that? <laughs> Welcome to oh, New York. Shameful. That's so shameful. Yeah, I love your state, but man, I'm uh, that is not a good. That is not a good day. For your state. Thank Not you a good so day much. for the country. Thank you, Mr. General. Thank, Thank you so much. And right. uh, what are we doing now, well, Rita? Let's take we, a break. Yep. And we've got Governor Pataki on deck who's going to talk about what's going on in Albany and also get his take on Trump a and a lot more. <laughs> you stay with us, Gov Patterson, a lot more. Everybody on Cats and Cosby after the break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. 
everybody waiting to see what's happening in Albany. Of course, the budget's still in limbo. And also, President Trump, big week with him. Who better to talk about all of this here on the show? Rita Cosby joining the great John Katsimatidis, also Judge Richard Weinberg, Governor Patterson, and of course, related to George Washington, former Deputy Mayor Rudy Washington. Governor Pataki, we are thrilled to have you on the show, my friend. Uh, first, let me get your take on where you think this budget is going in Albany and especially what role. I mean, do you think Kathy Hochul is going to be able to hold the line and get maybe some things tougher, at least uh, related to, you know, bail reform or dangerousness, all these layers that we all care about so deeply? Well, Rita, first, the budget is late and that's no shock. It's uh often late, but better a late budget than a bad budget. Uh, and I hope, I don't know, I don't have the inside information, but I hope Governor Hochul is saying, you're not going to have a budget unless we get serious bail reform. Uh, when the budget is in place, uh, being negotiated, that's one of the strongest leverage points the governor has over the legislature. The other biggest leverage she had was when she gave him a pay raise, and she got nothing for that. And that, to me, is astonishing that she didn't ask for bail reform or uh, the, at least the confirmation of her choice for chief judge in exchange for the payroll increase, they would have given her the, the kitchen sink to get that passed. But now that it's done, the only real leverage she has is the budget. So I hope she hangs tough, requires them to do bail reform, increase the number of charter schools in the city and take other steps so that we don't continue to drive people out of this state. And we got another former governor here. His name is Governor David Patterson. He has a question for you, Governor Pataki. <laughs> well, Governor, I think you would be an expert on this topic because in 1998, you gave us a pay raise. But before we got the pay raise, you stuck us up for charter schools, for uh, not being paid if the budget wasn't passed on time, eight other things, uh, eight suits. I think you made me uh, stick in to uh, get this pay raise. And the well, legislators are really in a position where – that's the one time they really need the governor. And uh, the, the results that, that came from what you did were, were incredible. But the, the, um, the idea of, of doing it that way is the only way for, the, for a governor to go, particularly a governor that has two-thirds majorities in two houses. What? A question. Uh, yeah. this, uh, governor, this is Rudy Washington. And this question yes, is for yes. either one of the governors. Um, who who, who wins, who lose by holding the budget hostage? I, as a governor, I would imagine you better be able to defend your position because they're going to try and blame you. Uh, who uh, wins in that scenario? Go ahead, Governor Pataki. Uh, Rudy, in my mind, there's no question that the governor wins because the government doesn't function unless the governor sends them temporary spending bills. Uh, and the governor has control over those temporary spending bills, and the legislature is largely forced to pass them because otherwise the government shuts down. But getting back to Governor Patterson's comment, you know, I didn't hold you up for enough, David. I should have gotten more, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> we agree. <laughs> we got a lot for that pay raise. But, uh, uh, you know, Governor, you said that's. Uh, where the, the governor has legis- uh, power over the legislature. There's another one, uh, and that is I won the lawsuit against the oh, Wait, we're losing you there. Gov, we were losing you. Oh. There you are. You're back on. Okay, I'm sorry. There's another way in which the governor has enormous legis- uh, clout over the legislature, and that's Silver B. Pataki. I sued, the sil- speaker sued me, and I won 
showing that the legislature cannot change language that the governor puts in a budget. Uh, so if Governor Hochul, and I'm not sure about this, has put strong bail reform uh, language in the budget, uh, that the legislature cannot change that language. They have to either take it or leave it. And if they leave it, we don't have a criminal justice system. Now, I doubt if Governor Hochul has done that, but she still has significant leverage and hopefully will hold out until we get real reform. I'll tell you, John, Rita, what worries me the most is that we get a fig leaf some pretend bail reform that doesn't change things on the streets of New York at all, but gives them political cover. That would be the worst of both worlds. We need to get bail reform now. The governor has to hold tough on this. It's nice to see Mike Bloomberg running ads supporting her on this because uh, he and I both know she's right. So let's hope that regardless of how long it takes, we get real bail reform, we get increased in charter schools, and we don't, don't get the idiotic tax increases the legislature is insisting that will just just drive more people and business. If we don't get bail reform, we're going to lose the Empire State. We're, you know, Absolutely. We're going to lose it the Empire State. Simple. Everything is just going to go downhill. Governor, what, what, what astounds me about this negotiation is I think the legislature could get a lot from the governor by doing the bail reform, and there would not be much reaction negatively to what they would all be doing. So – I'm not um, saying that the the governor can't try harder. I'm just saying that I'm amazed that they can't come up with something that they would want for the governor for this, which isn't really that far away from where the the law is now. Uh, I know. I don't think it's far enough from where the the law is now, but at least it's an improvement. But Governor Patterson, I think uh, you are what John Casamitidis would call a common sense Democrat. Uh, And unfortunately, a lot of the Democrats in the legislature are just blind leftist ideologues, and they just can't bring themselves to accepting anything on this, even in exchange for a significant uh, 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 exchange. But uh, Governor Hochul has the power. She controls the budget process. She controls what she sends up to the legislature every week or two weeks. So if she hangs tough. Eventually, the legislature is going to have to understand the people want this. The governor wants this. The state needs this. Without it, we're in dire straits. And hopefully they come to their senses and pass it whether or not they want to. Yeah, let's pray. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you got a question for Governor Pataki. Governor Pataki, there's another big bill that they're trying to get some leverage on. And so far it hasn't worked, which is to try to get some common sense, sensible climate legislation. They passed a bill back in 2019, which is unsustainable economically. It's not workable feasible in terms of feasibility and technology. And it's going to cost the consumers and the economy of, of New York an enormous amount of money. And they're not budging on, on this climate accountability act. What do you know about that? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and, you know, energy is largely what I, what I do in my private life now. And I see the same thing as you. We're going to have brownouts. We're going to have blackouts. We're going to have dramatic increases in cost if we force the existing uh, system of providing power uh, out of existence before the renewable energy sources are all in place. So uh, I honestly don't think this is going to happen this year. Uh, they should change it. Uh, but my experience, and I'm sure David Patterson, your experiences as well, if you fight too many fights at the same time, you don't win any of them. So I think the big fight right now are over the big three things to me are getting bail reform and criminal justice reform. That is number one. 
Number two is increasing the charter school cap because we it's a tragedy that we force low-income inner-city minority kids to go to schools that can't teach. And the third is getting rid of any increase in taxes or fees because we're already way too highly taxed. If Governor Hochul wins those three things, uh, I'm not going to be happy, but I'll be satisfied. And uh, I want to ask you, Governor Pataki, before we let you go, we just have about two minutes with you here. I got to get your reaction on the Trump arraignment, because, of course, that happened in the last few days. Your thoughts on where this is going and and just your reaction to it, that President Trump, uh, of course, has now been charged. And it was a D.A. in New York, as we're talking about crime, where he's reduced 52 percent of the felonies are reduced to misdemeanors under his office. And yet uh, now he's going after President Trump and created 34 felonies out of that. The irony doesn't escape me. No, it's worse than irony. It's really just partisan political hackdom. And I think the, the, the indictment is a disgrace. It's an embarrassment to the judicial system. Uh, and, and if I'm uh, a business person looking at New York, you want a judiciary and you want prosecutors who are going to be fair and not partisan. And I think Bragg has embarrassed himself and he's embarrassed our state with this ridiculous indictment. And there's no question in my mind at some point, probably later rather than sooner, some sane judge or intelligent jury is going to throw it out. It's just tragic that we have to go through this at this time. You know, there are so many real challenges facing this country, and particularly on the streets of New York. And as you said, Rita, he takes felonies and reduces them to misdemeanor. Here he takes what might be a misdemeanor and somehow uh, uh, struggles to get it into a felony. It's ridiculous. It should be dismissed, and I hope it is. Governor Patterson, thank you so much for Coming You're on. welcome, John. But Governor Pataki, we were here too. <laughs> uh, but, but we thank you both. Here's what I'm taking. I'm, I'm going to say, Governor Patterson, it's your duty. She takes your phone calls. It's your duty to take the knowledge you have, and the knowledge Governor uh, Pataki has, and and tell her what she can do. I'll have it done by the fifteenth. Well, she is. She, look, she's one tough Irish girl. And she, she'll do it if she gets the right advice. I, I am praying for that. And we want the we, best for New York. We have to save the Empire State. And it's a, it's a duty of you governors to do it. By the way, how great to have Governor Patterson and Governor Pataki on the show today, Thank John. You. What a Thank treat. Thank you so much. I feel like I'm in a Daily Planet building. <laughs> and what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. And it's there he goes. Off the it's too bad I'm not Superman.